0: Hey there everyone, this is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com and this is the Ready For The Draft podcast, episode 39 of the 2020 podcast series and the first episode of the post-draft edition. That's right, the first ever completely virtual draft was held last week and I thought the league really did a tremendous job, uh, went off without a hitch, no technical issues, really got to see the you know, players and their families at home, got to see the front office executives, their setups. Uh, the GMs, the head coaches, and Roger Goodell from his, his basement and really got to see him in his easy chair by the end of day one. I uh, really thought it was well done, well put together. Joe Burrow away to Hey craft you know, Thursday through Saturday. Uh, I thought it was really a tremendous job. Over 250 players heard their names called, and we're going to look at each team's draft board that's right we're going to take a look at all three teams take a look at every single pick we're also going to look at some of the guys that were the, the biggest draft snubs in that undrafted free agent pool and then finally to top things off before we go ahead and call it a season we'll take a look at 2021 kind of do a, a very early look at the 2021 draft and really when you think about last year and when we did our, our 2020 Look ahead. We talked about Justin Herbert. You know, we talked about potentially Tua Tonga um if he were to come out. Joe Burrow was nowhere to be found. You know, Joe Burrow was essentially a guy that was looked at as no more than maybe a sixth or seventh round selection coming out of LSU after his junior season. And even Joe Burrow admits, "Look, I wasn't a wasn't a very good quarterback back then." And uh, Joe Brady coming in, he and Steve Amesminger I really working with with Joe Brady. Uh, I'm sorry, with Joe Burrow, and you, you see what happened with that that Heisman Trophy winning season. And now he's a number one overall pick. So you never know what's going to happen uh, between now and the draft next year. So we're going to go ahead and jump in and we'll take a look at uh, some of the players to start to get to know, because that's really what we do uh, with, with ready for the and the ready for the draft podcast is we want to get you ready for the NFL draft as quickly as possible. Start hearing those names guys that you really need to be looking out for uh, as we get closer and closer to the draft. So we're not done with the 2020 draft though. So what I want to do is like I said, break down every single team, take a look at their, their draft picks, um, take a look at my draft board as well, and really what I saw happening there for each of the teams, and uh, you know, we'll go ahead and get things started. Let's start with Arizona and the Cardinals. Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, obviously took Kyler Murray a season ago uh, with the number one overall pick. Three straight seasons with 50 plus sacks given up. I was expecting Arizona to take a tackle first and foremost, and you know you have DJ Humphreys on this team as the left tackle. And so I thought perfect, you know, perfect way to get a, a right tackle there. Uh, you know, especially with Andrew Thomas sitting there uh, coming off the board to the Giants at number four overall, I thought this was a perfect spot for Jedrick Wills. You know, I think Jedrick Wills has the athleticism to play left tackle, but frankly, this was a guy who was an all-American right tackle at Alabama. So it it had the makings of, you know, a perfect fit. Match made in heaven, really sitting there at number eight. But I wasn't anticipating Isaiah Simmons being on the board, being available at number eight. Now, real quick, what I wanted to kind of take a look at is Arizona's situation now on defense. That linebacking core, you have Chandler Jones rushing the pass. You also have Devon Kennard that they brought in from the Lions. Interior, uh, you know, the inside linebackers. You have Jordan Hicks. You have Hassan Reddick. And then you bring in Devondre Campbell on a one-year deal from Atlanta. The athleticism is off the charts with this group. And then you add Isaiah Simmons to that mix. You know that's really where does he fit in all of that. You know you brought in you know like I said Kennard, he's a pass rusher. Chandler Jones, double digit sack guy as well. Uh, you know Campbell, Hicks, Hassan Reddick. You know it's one of those things. It's kind of a peculiar your pick. You know to some degree, but then you look at the secondary and you're like okay. You know you've got Buddha Baker playing the free safety position. Jalen Thompson right now is your strong safety. So. What does that look like? You know, could Isaiah Simmons and Devon Kennard, you know, could they both be on the field at the same time? Could we potentially see Isaiah Simmons rotate uh, to an inside backer position? You know, for for portions of the game. You know, at some point you're going to want to have Chandler Jones and Devon Kennard on the field at the same time, rushing the quarterback. I think when that happens, though, you want to have Isaiah Simmons. He can kind of be that at safety. Uh, you know, on the back end of that defense. Um, so it, at least it gives you a lot of options, you know, things to really play with there on the defensive side of the football. And I, I think that's something that Vance Joseph is really going to take advantage of is a lot of that talent and that speed there on the defense. So Isaiah Simmons going there, number eight, overall 64 238 pounds. Um, and really after that, Arizona didn't have a second round pick. So in round number three, you know, I, I wasn't expecting there to be a, a ton of tackles on the board that, uh, would be worthy of, of Arizona. Drafting them to ultimately start at right tackle. Yes, they brought in Marcus Gilbert. He's 32 years of age, battled some injuries, only signed to a one year deal, though. So he's clearly not the long term answer. Josh Jones falls into their laps there with the eighth pick in the third round. You know, 6'5, 319 out of of Houston, started over 40 games for the Cougars, um, and over 1,200. Uh, Pass snaps, I believe it was only 18 pressures uh, according to pro Football Focus. You know this guy is he's athletic. I think he moves pretty well. I think you know he he got by on his athleticism more so than technique. So he does need probably a year of seasoning and, and getting to play uh, behind Marcus Gilbert, the veteran. I think he'll be able to learn quite a bit in that uh, o- you know online room and uh, a guy who I think could develop into a pretty darn good right tackle there at the next level. So moving on to uh, round number four, you've got Lecky Fotu, the the defensive tackle out of Utah. And this was kind of a peculiar pick for me uh, because they just brought in Jordan uh, Phillips to man the nose tackle position. And and really, when I was looking at Arizona and where I thought they would go, I was looking at running back and corner. And the reason being is running back, you look at Kenyon Drake, you look at Chase Edmonds. I was thinking they would take A.J. Dillon in uh, in round number three. Ultimately, A.J. Dillon was taken in round two, so that didn't end up happening. Uh, he wouldn't be available anyway, and really they waited until round number seven, still got a running back that can make an impact for them. And then at the cornerback position, I guess they're, they're standing pat with... Patrick Peterson, Byron Murphy, Robert Alford, Jalen Davis. Patrick Peterson's in the last year of his deal, and uh, you know I, I guess what they could have done at number eight was potentially look at C.J. Henderson, um, but I think they they must be satisfied with that corner position because they didn't address the position really at all in, in the draft. I thought they could have gotten a, um, a, another piece there, potentially move Byron Murphy to uh, to the slot, and uh, could have brought in another another corner there in round three but uh you know they ended up getting their tackle round 4 they get FoTo to pair up with Jordan Phillips so you at least have some depth there at the position so you've already seen on defense what they've been able to do is you know they they added depth with with the addition of Simmons then they get Lucky FoTo additionally adding some depth and then uh round number 4 25th overall pick they they get uh Rashard Lawrence out of LSU, six-two, three-zero-eight, 308. And this is another, you know, they're adding more depth. You know, and I think that's really what the theme was there for Arizona defensively. You, know, you have Zach Allen, you have Corey Peters there uh, at the defensive end position, uh, Michael Dogba and, and Jonathan Bullard, uh, Trevon, uh, Trevon Coley as well. Uh, you know, Rashard Lawrence isn't going to wow you with the athleticism by any means, but a guy who just gets the job done, very intelligent player, um, and, and a guy who I think is going to be a nice rotational piece there for the Cardinals. Uh, moving on to the sixth round, you know, another linebacker, um, inside backer, Evan Weaver out of Cal, 6'2", 237 pounds, you know, over 180 tackles as a senior. This guy is, is, has a nose for the football, very high football IQ. I think that's one of the things that you can say looking at this draft class is a lot of really intelligent Know, high football IQ football players, and uh, I think this is a guy that uh, Vance Joseph is going to really enjoy, you know, having on his defense. Um, you know, I-, I thought he showed a little bit more athleticism at the combine than people were expecting. Ran in the four sevens. Um, you know, and-, and a guy, look, you know, he- he's not going to be the explosive guy, you know, but at the same time, he he knows where the football is going to be, and he's going to take the right angle. You know, he drops into coverage, reads the quarterback's eyes really well. Um, he is limited athletically, but a guy who I I, I would say um, when you look at that interior linebacker position, give him a couple of years, and, and I think Evan Weaver can be a starter in this league. I mentioned the running back in round seven; they get Eno Benjamin, the two-time thousand-yard rusher. You know, as a, as a sophomore, over sixteen hundred yards. Um, there for Herm Edwards as a, a junior, um, you know, over a thousand yards. Didn't put up quite the same season that he did, you know, previously. But over 60 receptions in his career, you know, this is a guy who has tremendous hands. You know, as a runner, you know he he's pretty you know pretty good between the tackles. Runs with a low pad level. He's known for his spin moves. You know, he spins out of tackles. I look at Eno you know, Benjamin and I look at Kenyon Drake and, and Chase Edmonds, and I just feel like you know what they really needed was that power back. You know, a guy that's really going to complement their skill set and I just feel like Eno Benjamin is another guy who just fits right along with that same mold as Drake and Chase Edmonds. So I think I, I like the pick. I think this is another weapon for, for Kyler Murray in that uh um, in that offense but you know, it's just a little peculiar that uh, you know that's who they ended up targeting. Um, you know, if there was anyone that I would probably look at, you know, you probably look at uh, you know those round four picks. You you probably could have gotten a running back there. Um, that had a little bit more power than than Eno Benjamin, but you know I'm not going to fault him for it. At the same time, because Eno Benjamin highly productive, I think at the end of the day his the la- the lack of ball security with with Eno Benjamin was really what sent him down draft boards. Um, you know I know that was one of the things that was most frustrating for me was a guy that just couldn't really hang on to the football. And you uh, ran that 4 5 7, so he wasn't the most explosive, but ran, you know, had a 39 inch vertical leap and uh, 6 9 7, three cone drill. So, you know, has some explosiveness, maybe a little bit quicker than fast type of player. Um, so, I think Arizona, you know, did well with their draft overall. Looking at Atlanta, the Falcons, they had the 16th overall pick. And this was a pick where everyone was talking about how Atlanta was looking to trade up trade-up to either get Javon Kinlaw or C.J. Henderson. And so that meant that they were either targeting an interior pass rusher or a corner to replace um, Desmond Trufant, and really that lockdown corner that's going to play opposite Isaiah Simmons. and I'm sorry, uh, Isaiah Oliver. And so C.J., Henderson ends up going off the board, number nine overall to the Jags. And then at number 13, Javon Kinlaw's gone. You don't have a defensive tackle that you're going to be able to take, you know, after Derek Brown and Kinlaw are off the board, and uh, you know, after C.J. Henderson, you actually have a couple of corners. You know, you probably could have traded down and still gotten A.J. Terrell out of Clemson, but uh, I'm not going to fault him for it. They needed a, a lockdown corner, six one, one ninety five. Uh, you know, Terrell. You know, the last time we saw him in a Clemson uniform, you know, he didn't play very well against Jamar Chase, ate him up. Um, but one game does not define a, a three-year career that had more ups and downs. You know, I, I thought A.J. Terrell was, you know, especially when he played opposite you know, Trayvon Mullen, um, you know, I, I thought he played exceptionally well. Um, you know, a, a guy uses his length to his advantage, has pretty good ball skills. You know, he's going to get a chance, you know, again, playing opposite Isaiah Oliver. Um, really young secondary. You know, you, you have, um, you know, Kendall Sheffield there in the in that secondary as well, and uh, you know Jordan Miller from from Washington, and then Bleedy Ray uh, Ray Wilson was actually brought in as the veteran in the group. So you know that's the one thing I think there are still going to be some growing pains there, but you know I think Dimitrov and and Quinn knew they had to target uh, a corner early in the draft. So. Getting A.J. Terrell, you know, you can make some arguments. Some people, you know, thought Noah Igbenogany. Some people thought Trevon Diggs, you know, Jeff Gladney. A lot of different names thrown out there. I wouldn't fault him for taking A.J. Terrell. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with that pick. Uh, moving on to round number two, uh, you know, the Marlon Davidson out of Auburn. 6'3", 303. He was playing in the 270s, and he bulked up at the combine. Still ran like a 5'07", 40. Um, you know, a guy who... can put pressure on the quarterback. I thought he was a little inconsistent at times, especially when he played with a higher pad level. And what's interesting about this pick is he's probably going to be a defensive tackle. So I think what that means is you bring in Dante Fowler, who had a career year, 11 and a half sacks uh, with the Rams, you know, a season ago. And what he had going for him was an interior pass rush led by obviously, you know, the man big number 99 Aaron Donald. So, you have to duplicate that here in, in Atlanta. And, and you have Grady Jarrett, a guy who can, you know, put pressure on the corner, uh, on the quarterback from the interior, but they don't really have anybody else on the interior of that defensive line. So bringing in Marlon Davidson as a defense, you know, he's, he's clearly going to be a defensive tackle playing at 300 pounds. You're anticipating that this is going to be a guy that can put pressure on the quarterback from within. He did kick inside at times on, um, passing situations and would rush you know know, as an interior pass rusher um, played a you know a five technique predominantly in a 34 defense Um, you know there were times where you'd have a four-man front with uh, big Cat Bryant um, or Nick Coe when he entered the game so when you had that four-man front you know he would he would either play end or or inside a tackle and uh, you know someone who I think can put pressure on the quarterback a little bit so um, I had him coming off the board in round two, so uh, decent value there. I had Matt Hennessy going to Atlanta for quite a while. I ultimately moved him up in the draft. I was actually expecting him to come off the board earlier. Um, but to get him in the third round, 6'4", 307 center out of Temple, does play with a little bit of a pad, you know, high pad level at times, doesn't generate a ton of movement in the running game. But this is a guy who's going to protect Matt, Matt Ryan. You know, he's He's very athletic excellent agility laterally you know, I want to say that he had two um, pressures that he gave up in 2018 according to Pro Football Focus one of the best uh, pass protectors at the center position and when I look at Matt Hennessy for the Falcons what I really like is I look at Alex Mack and what Alex Mack you know was when he entered the league and I look at Matt Hennessy and I see some parallels there with with the athleticism and their you know their high football IQ Alex Mack 34 years of age, entering the last year of his contract. You know, there's a good chance that he may, uh, he may retire at the end of the season. And you know, with these centers that uh, have made some abrupt retirements, with with Travis Frederick, and uh, you know Max Unger before him, I think Atlanta getting that that air apparent now is is not a bad move at all. Um, the next couple of picks were, were really questionable for me in my eyes, you know, on day three. You take Michael Walker, uh, outside linebacker out of Fresno State, 6'3, 230 pounds, you know, a guy who is athletic, you know, he he has tremendous range, a guy that could play um in, in coverage and play behind the line of scrimmage a little bit as well. You know, when I look at the this defense and I, I look at the linebacking core. Uh, Michael Walker, to me, it feels like they're trying to replace Devondre Campbell, his length, his athleticism. And, uh, you know, I, I think with Michael Walker, he feels more like a, a sixth round pick to me, sixth to seventh round. And so I thought they kind of reached in round number four. Granted, they didn't have a, a pick in in round six to target him. You know, they could have potentially, though, traded back and still landed this guy. Um, Same goes for Jalen Hawkins. Um, You know, fourth rounder, you know, the safety out of Cal, 6'1", 208. Uh, This is a guy who I think they're going to be looking at challenging Ricardo Allen for that starting spot. You know, Ricardo Allen is signed through the 2021 season. But, you know, when you look at at Jalen Hawkins, definitely has some ball skills, um, but a, a guy to me, that uh you know he's looking to make a play on the football uh, never had more than than 50 uh, 50 tackles in a season um, you know just seven pass breakups in his career um, so the six interceptions in in 2018 as a junior uh, never really you know duplicated that those efforts had did have three interceptions in in 2019 10 total in his career but you know to me I, I look at him and I, I think there are other guys you could could have potentially targeted there in round number four. And then finally round seven to round things out. You know Ryan Allen, the punter, you know, is a guy who I think is kind of that marked man. He came in, played eight games for the, the Falcons and uh, you know they bring in Sterling Hofrichter to challenge him for that spot. Uh, you know 510, 196, the punter out of Syracuse, you know a guy that could handle some kickoff duties as well. Um, you know, I think Ryan Allen. You know, especially if if Hofrichter can have a, a decent training camp, uh, Ryan Allen may be out of a job uh, because I think Hofrichter. You know, if you just look at the average, you know, you're not going to be blown away, but this is a guy who can definitely pin the ball inside the twenty. Though, granted, you know, I think that's one of Ryan Allen's specialties as well. So I think that'll be uh, an interesting battle uh, come training camp. Now, Baltimore. Holy cow! This draft, ten draft picks, and I'm looking at them, and all of these guys have a chance to make an impact. Uh, I I think it's 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 phenomenal what they did, um, you know. And to have six picks in you know the first two days and to do what they did with them is just uh, is staggering, you know. And I'm gonna kind of jump around a little bit to kind of fit the narrative for me, but uh, you know, Baltimore, we knew they were going to double up at the inside linebacker position. I said that, you know, right at the beginning, you had to target multiple inside linebackers because when you lose Patrick Hubbardwasser and Josh Bynes, you're not left with anything. You'd already traded away uh, CJ Mosley to the Jets, so you're in dire need of an inside linebacker, and so they get Patrick Queen out of LSU, 6 foot 229 pounds, in round number 1, 28th overall pick. Um, you know, I, I had Kenneth Murray going here to the Ravens for quite a while, ultimately expected him to come off the board a little bit earlier. I was expecting Queen to end up going to the Saints at 24 overall. The fact that he fell to the Ravens at 28, you know, that made it a no-brainer that that was where he was going. And if you watched LSU's tape during the season defensively, whether you were trying to watch Grant Delpit or Richard Lawrence or Jacob Phillips, whoever it was that you were trying to watch, either of the corners, Christian Fulton or Derek Stingley, um, number eight always seemed to flash, you know, and he was a guy that at the beginning of the season was out of position, but by the end of the season, this guy was was flat out dominant. He was all over the field, making plays both in coverage and uh, you know with the sideline to sideline range, making plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. Was a defensive player of the game in the national title win over Clemson. Um, day one starter, right there. Then with their third pick in round number three. Uh, The 34th overall pick in round three, you get Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, 6'3", 247 pounds, very versatile guy. Another guy that can drop into coverage. You know, a guy that plays well between the tackles. And Queen is going to be your guy that's going to go sideline to sideline. I think Harrison can really play between the tackles and can can drop into coverage. So I think these guys are going to complement each other very well, and uh, they'll be coming onto the you know onto the roster at the same time. Um, so you may have some growing pains there at the inside backer position, but two guys who I, I think are very intelligent players. And uh, to see Queen's development from beginning of the year to year-end and Malik Harrison, the veteran there for the Buckeyes, um, you know, I, I think it was really a nice um, nice moves there in uh, the first two days of the draft. Uh, in round number two, they get a running back. They get JK, uh, J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State, 5'10", 209 pounds, the only Buckeye not named Archie Griffin to rush for three straight 1,000-yard seasons. You know, not even Eddie George did that. You know, Hall of Famer, the great Eddie George, uh, you know, not even he was able to do it, right? You know, and, and so when you think about that and you think about, you know, Eddie George and, and what he was able to do there, you know, collegiate Hall of Famer, you know, and and Tennessee Titans uh, lore and and just a guy who was so productive and yet J.K. Dobbins is the only other guy to eclipse that 1,000-yard mark in three straight seasons. Uh, you know, it's, it's quite remarkable, Dobbins went over 2000 yards as a junior and uh, a guy who I think is, is quicker than he is fast. You know, he, he definitely has a lateral agility um, that's off the charts. Um, But you know, I I think he does have some explosiveness. Um, You ran away from a lot of guys. And I think that's one of the things that I think people don't really give him credit for. Didn't run the 40 at the combine, but uh, a a guy who I, I think, you're going, he's going to surprise some people. And you pair him up with, with Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram's going to give you a little bit more of the power. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to give you more of the elusiveness. A great one two punch there um, with Lamar Jackson in the backfield. Round three, um, I thought this was a steal getting Justin Matabuike falling to them at the top of round number 3, I had him coming off the board uh beginning of round 2. 63 293, the defensive tackle out of Texas A&M, very quick, ran a sub uh, sub 5 flat 40, uh very powerfully built, uh powerful upper body, a guy that can bench press this man, get off the the block and, and shoot into the backfield, a guy who can rush the passer and make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and, and what's interesting here is, you know, I I look at him and I see an ability to uh, be that uh, that three technique in their thirty-four defense. You know, Derek Wolfe signed to a one-year deal. I think Justin Madibuke is is the uh, defensive tackle there of the future, uh, playing opposite Calais Campbell um, there for the Ravens. So I thought that was a nice pick as well. Um, you know, Devin Duvernay. Um, if you watch the draft. John Harbaugh got really excited uh, with this pick, and I, I you know, I, I know why. I mean, 5'11", 200 pounds, uh, sub 4440 four forty speed. Um, you know, at Texas, over a hundred receptions, you know, one hundred and six receptions to be exact. Um, really took over that receiver position. You know, Colin Johnson battling some injuries. When you look at this receiving receiving core, you know, you have Marquise Brown, who's going to be your vertical threat. Hollywood loves to get vertical that speed that he has. Uh, Miles Boykin, very explosive receiver, has the size. Willie really Sneed, a uh, you know a consummate you know, performer there. Um, then you have guys like Chris Moore and and J- uh, Scott, DeAnthony Thomas, guys who are really going to be battling for for their jobs because Duvernay. To me, I think you put him in the slot and you know, he's very sure-handed, ex- more explosive than people give him credit for, and a guy who's very powerfully built at 5'11", 200 pounds, a guy who I think is, is stronger after the catch than people, again, give him credit for. Um, round six, J- uh, James Prochet. The the fact that they were able to get a guy like James Prochet that late in the draft um, you know, I think speaks to the amount of, of depth at the wide receiver position uh, in this draft class. James Frasche is, you know, he's like a ballerina out there. I mean, you know, really, you know, the the ability to contort his body, to make the acrobatic catches, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Back-to-back 1,000-yard season, over 300 receptions in his career, just under 4,000 total yards and 39 touchdowns. Um, you know, you add him to the mix, he's definitely a possession receiver. And, uh, you know, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm definitely excited with, uh, you know, the weapons that I have around me. Um finishing out jumping back to round number three and round number four, you get a couple of guards that you know I, I think have a chance to start uh, sooner rather than later. you have Tyler, Tyree Phillips out of uh, Mississippi State 65 331 pounds you know I, I wasn't as high on him as a lot of other people were. Um, I, I thought that he was a guy that uh, you know lacks some athleticism. But uh, definitely is a guy that's going to generate some uh, some power. And you know I think playing that guard position makes a ton of sense. And then Ben Bredesen in round number four. 6'5", 315 out of Michigan. Over 40 starts in his career um, at the left guard uh, position playing there next to John Runyon. I thought the two of them worked really well together. A guy that can climb to the second level. Not known for his athleticism. But uh, you know, sustains his blocks. Keeps a low pad level. Excellent hands uh and when you look at this you know the the guard position you have bradley bozeman you have Ben powers on the roster if nothing else phillips and bredesen give you excellent depth at the position but i think that these two may have actually upgraded uh the ravens at the interior line um you know along the interior line it's going to really be interesting to see how all of it plays out bradley bozeman has some experience at center and you have uh, matt scura coming back from a, a gruesome leg injury so there's a chance to you know, Bozeman could kick inside, uh, in which case Bredesen or Phillips could end up sliding into that starting spot right away, week one. Um, round number five, a little curious pick. You know, Broderick Washington, very powerful at the point of attack. You know, I think you know the a powerful bull rusher at nose tackle, 6-2, 305. But you got a guy in, in Dalen Mack that was already on the roster. Plus, you have Brandon Williams uh, starting there at the nose tackle position. So I thought that was a little bit of a curious pick there uh, to take Broderick Washington. Uh, and then round seven, I thought they got a bit of a steal here. Geno Stone out of Iowa, the safety, 5'10", 207. Um, I, I look at Geno Stone. You know, he he needs some time to develop. You know, he was a junior that came out, really had one year of, of uh, you know, tremendous production. But Chuck Clark is the strong safety right now. I think they're... They're on the market to upgrade at that position. And yes, they have they have Jordan Richards and Anthony Levine there. I think Gino Stone can come in and battle them for, for that backup spot right away. And I think Geno Stone in a, in a year or two could end up taking over that that starting spot there at strong safety for the Ravens. Overall, Ravens, I thought, did a tremendous job with this draft. Definitely a top 10 worthy draft. Um, you know When you look at it, when you break down all of these drafts, um, you know they have a lot of impact players, and I think every single one of these guys has a great chance to make to to make that roster and potentially even make an impact. Moving on to Buffalo now. Now Buffalo, no first round pick. Why they got their number one wide up? I targeted you know T uh, T Higgins to the, to the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know until they traded that their their first round pick to get. Stephon Diggs. Definitely worth it. Stephon Diggs absolutely has proven himself and uh you know really frankly kind of deserves uh, a chance to be the number one guy. You know, he, he doesn't have Adam Thielen there. Uh, with him, so you know you look at that Buffalo wide receiving core, and uh, you know you now have Stephon Diggs as your one. You have John Brown as your vert- vertical threat, and you have Cole Beasley as your slot receiver. So I think that's already upgraded the position, a position where they had to hunt down Duke Williams from the CFL uh, to get a big body there at the at the wideout position. So wide receiver, we will be talking about wide receiver before long. They did pick up a couple of receivers in the draft. You know, When I'm looking at at round two, uh, number 22 overall in the second round round AJ Epinesa you know had a chance to be a first round pick some hyped him as a a top 10 pick I think after running the 504 40 that really quelled any any um arguments about the first round but you know I still thought there was a chance that he would sneak in possibly to Seattle at 27 um Ultimately didn't uh, come to fruition, and what you get with AJ Epinesa, definitely a guy that has tremendous power, you know, in, especially in his hands, has a decent get off, but a guy, you know, great technique, uses, you know, again those hands to his advantage, and uh, the push pull, one of the best in all of college football, a guy, you know, he was beaten by you know, Austin Jackson with his quickness. But when he was allow- able to get his hands on Austin Jackson and overpower him, that's really where I thought you saw that success, you know, really that soft edge coming off. And, uh, you know, when you look at A.J. Epinesa and you look at this, uh, you know, the, the the defensive end position, they have Mario Addison, who they brought in from Carolina, and you have Jerry Hughes, who's still under contract for another year after the 2020 season. A.J. Epinesa kind of right now looks like he's going to be that number three Rusher. Um, you already drafted Ed Oliver a season ago, so I think they're continuing to add to that rotational uh, pass rush group there up front. So I'm not mad at the AJ Epinesa group. You know, that might have actually been the best uh, player available at that point. In round number three, uh, you, you get a running back. You know, Zach Moss out of Utah, 5'9, 223. And what you have there with Uh, With the Bills, you know, you lost Frank Gore, and I think Zach Moss can come in and be another Frank Gore-type guy. I mean, he's built the same way. Uh, Devin Singletary, definitely very elusive, a guy that has the lateral agility. You already have TJ Yeldon on the roster as well, but Zach Moss runs with a low pad level, runs over guys at times, um, pretty physical running back, has excellent hands. The biggest thing with Zach Moss is can he stay healthy? You know, uh, that, that's going to be the biggest question mark. That and, you know, that four six five forty he's not going to be a burner. Um, definitely a guy who's going to be quicker than he is fast. I think he has some, you know, some of the lateral cuts that you saw him make, uh, making some guys miss in the hole. And then the, the powerful leg drive, that lower body strength, um, if he can stay healthy, I think he'd be a nice compliment there for Devin Singletary. Now I mentioned the receivers, you know, they got one in round four and round one in round six, they got bigger receivers. You know, you had John Brown and you have uh, you know, Cole Beasley on the roster, but they didn't really have much size. You know, you had to bring in Duke Williams, like I said, to get some of that size. And I'm looking at Gabriel Davis out of UCF, 6'2, 216 pounds, uh, big physical wide out, a guy that can get vertical, can get over the top. Uh, and then Isaiah Hodgins, more of a possession guy, 6'4", 210, uh, runs in the four sixes uh, there at Oregon, but you know went over 1,000 yards receiving for the Beavers. And uh, look, Isaiah H- uh, Hodgins, very reliable hands. I think he's going to be a possession receiver, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that could potentially be uh, – Josh Allen's security blanket when it's all said and done. So I, I like those two receivers. You know, I, I like those picks. I thought great value for both. Uh, round number five, you get a quarterback. You get Jake Fromm. Uh the 6'2, 219-pound junior out of Georgia. The reason why Jacob Eason ultimately you know ended up with the Washington Huskies this past year. Jake Fromm, you know, interesting case, you know, a guy who is definitely um, Intelligent, the football IQ. You see him make all the, you know, the, the pre-snap reads, understands where to go with the football, uh, makes quick decisions. But you know, not athletically gifted. You know, he doesn't have the big arm that some of these other quarterbacks have. But uh, you know, in that fifth, sixth round range. Remember, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. I'm not comparing Jake Fromm to Tom Brady, but you know, in terms of how they go about the game, how they process things. Um, you know, I think that's really where you see some of those similarities. And uh, you know, with Jake Fromm, you know, he, he's going there. You already have Josh Allen as your number one, but look, Josh Allen is a mobile quarterback, a guy that likes to get outside and run. And a lot of those quarterbacks, what ends up happening is they do end up going down to injury. And uh, you know, just ask Philly what happened with Carson Wentz when they went down. If they didn't have Nick Foles, where would they be? You look at New Orleans, Drew Brees, out of action. You have Teddy Bridgewater that you're able to bring in. They go five and zero. Could they have gone five and zero without Teddy Bridgewater? You have to have a, a solid backup. So getting Jake Fromm in round number five makes a ton of sense. Uh, round six, you get Tyler Bass, the the best kicker I think in the draft out of Georgia Southern. Um, what's interesting though is you have Stephen Hauschka on the roster. Um, you know, I, I think Hauschka is 34 years of age. I think if nothing else, you bring Bass in and, and challenge him. Um, you know, but I. I I, I think it, it's gonna be one of those to where it's still Hauschka's job to lose. Uh, and then finally in round number seven, here's a pick that I really like. Dane Jackson out of Pittsburgh six foot one eighty seven and uh, you know a guy who has tremendous ball skills. Um, you know, didn't put up you know an overly fast forty time, ran a four five seven um you know and, and a guy who I think you know lacks some of that vertical speed, but at the same time he has the ball skills thirty nine pass breakups in his career. Uh, has four forced fumbles as well, has a nose for the football. You know he even you know returned one of his four uh, interceptions for a touchdown. So this guy just is a playmaker. And when you look at that secondary, you know you have Josh Norman. He's signed to a I believe a one-year deal. You have Tredavious White, who's going to be your star uh, there at the left cornerback position. Uh, Teron Johnson's nickel right now. Uh, Levi Wallace, E.J. Gaines. You know only under contract through twenty. Uh, the 2020 season Dane Jackson has a chance to be the number three corner right away and could potentially end up being a starter whenever Josh Norman ultimately um, either hangs it up or moves on from Buffalo. Um, so all in all, I, I like some of the picks that Buffalo made. Um, I think with some of them, you know, they drafted based on need, at least with AJ Epinesa, I think they were actually you know targeting the best player available. Moving on to Carolina. So Carolina really screwed my draft up. Um, I was trying to predict what Matt Rule was going to do, and uh, I was expecting them to replace. Well, I, you can't really replace Luke Kuechly, um, but you know the production. You know, 137 tackles that he averaged, and you know all the interceptions and the sacks and just the play, playmaking ability and getting a leader there in the middle of that defense. But when you think about Matt Rule and, and Phil Snow and what did they do at Baylor? They had a, an incredible offensive you know, or defensive front. You, know, you had uh, you know James Lynch, Bravion Roy, and, and James Lockhart. And if you went to you know temp, uh, Temple before that, what did they have? They had a really physical front. And that's really what Matt Rule is looking to do there at Carolina. So it makes sense that they bring in Derek Brown, the big 6'5", 325-pounder out of Auburn with the number 7 overall pick. This guy's going to be a day-one starter, an impact starter um, right away for Carolina. Uh, makes perfect sense. You know, it, you're going to be getting a, a 34 defense there for from from Phil Snow. Uh, so Derek Brown going to be that nose tackle, very physical at the point of attack, powerful hands, a guy that can collapse a pocket from within, um, also has the quickness to get quick penetration and disrupt plays. Round two, though, this is the next pick that I think is really interesting. You already have K1 Short, but then you're going to pair Gross matos. With him, and, and you know, you brought in Stephen Weatherly from from Minnesota, but I think he's going to be the role player. I think Yutaro Grossmontos with that length, a guy who you know, makes a living in opposing backfields as a sophomore had 20 uh, tackles for loss, 82 and a, and a quarter inch wingspan on this kid as well, uh, tremendous athlete and uh, you put him and, and Derek Brown, you're already seeing a formidable front. Then you add in Brian Burns with the speed coming off the edge, and you really see now what Matt Rule is trying to do there in Carolina. Get some of that toughness, bring that back to the defense. What does he do in round number two with the, the 32nd overall pick? He, just, he brings in Jeremy Chin, the, the safety out of Southern Illinois, 6'3", 221 pounds, uh, another kid who, you know, it's tremendous you know the, the latest safety that comes from a uh, an Fcs school and the thing that i really like about jeremy chin um you know are you know he, he can pretty much do a little bit of everything has tremendous range over 240 tackles in his career. 31 pass breakups, 13 interceptions. A guy who you know averaged at least three interceptions in each of his four seasons there at Southern Illinois, uh, six force fumbles as well. This guy, another playmaker, big physical dude. And uh you know, you play him at the strong safety, Trey Boston at the free safety, and you're really you're set there at the safety position. Um, so I, again, you, you just you see what he's doing. And uh, Matt Rule, after the draft, actually told NFL Network and, and ESPN, he said, look, we address the offense in free agency. You know, we brought in Robbie Anderson at receiver, Russell Okung, you traded for him at the left tackle position, and you bring in Teddy Bridgewater at the quarterback position, and, you know, Cam Newton moved on, Christian McCaffrey getting signed as well. So, you know, Carolina, a lot of different, you know, moving parts in play there. And uh, defense was really what they focused on. And what's crazy is, is every single one of those picks was used on the defensive side of the football. And on, on day day three, you, you bring in Troy Pride Jr., the the corner out of out of Notre Dame, a guy who has tremendous long speed, can run with just about anybody. And that cornerback position, look, he's going to come in. He's going to battle Corn Elder, uh, Cole Luke, um, for. That that starting spot opposite Dante Jackson. Now that James Bradbury has gone, you really need to solidify that position. Um, you know they they also sign um, also drafted Stanley uh, Thomas Oliver the third, um, another player with tremendous length. He was their seventh round pick, six foot one ninety two out of Florida International. So you you get bring in two corners. You also bring in two safeties. So he's really addressing that that secondary. And what do they do in round five? But they bring in Kenny Robinson. 6'2", 6'298 pounds safety out of West Virginia. Had five interceptions in his career uh, with the Mountaineers. Um, decides after leaving West Virginia, rather than transfer to another school, he's going to go ahead and train for the draft. Well, the XFL comes around, comes knocking, and he ends up playing with the St. Louis Battlehawks. What does he do? He has two interceptions in five games. Tremendous ball skills. I think he's you know, proven that uh, you know he's not going to be a distraction you know was a model citizen there with the XFL comes in in round number 5 and a guy who I think would be that third safety you know I think he didn't even play a little bit of corner in in a pinch as well you've got a playmaker proven himself you know in the professional ranks obviously the NFL is to jump up and play from the XFL but you know I really like the value there in round number 5 and then round 6 Matt Rule gets his, his Baylor guy I was expecting it to be James Lynch but ultimately, instead, they they go with Bravion Roy, um, the aforementioned Bravion Roy, out of uh, you know 6'1", 330 pounds, the nose tackle. This is a guy who I think um, can hold the point of attack, but he's really known for his explosiveness. You know, very very quick first step off the ball, has a really nice swim move as well. Um, you know, there was a kind of a NASCAR type package where you know Phil Snow had all of his interior linemen, and really the entire defensive front, they were all. Um, in a two-point stance, they're all standing up. And Bravion Roy, look, he and 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 James Lynch and James Lockhart, they wreaked havoc in Big Twelve backfields. You know, and, and you know, I can guarantee you, Jalen Hurts did not want to see these guys multiple times uh, during the season um, because you know these guys got after it. And Bravion Roy, to me. Um, I, I thought he has had the talent to be drafted much higher than that. You put him in there as a rotational guy with Derrick Brown. If Phil Snow decides to, to run a four-man front for any reason, it would really be interesting to see you know Derrick Brown and Bravion really playing side-by-side. I really like what Carolina did. They didn't really address anything on the offensive side of the football, but you can see what his focus is, is really to rebuild that team. He wants to get that toughness on the defensive side of the ball, and I thought he absolutely did that. The Bears, no first-round pick, traded that in uh, the the trade for Khalil Mack, but they have two second-round picks, and the first one they used on Cole Komet. I actually had them pegged to take Cole Komet with their second pick, um, which was just seven picks later, but Cole Komet, 6'6", 262 pounds out of Notre Dame, uh, probably the most complete tight end. I don't think he's the most explosive by any means, um, you know, ran a four seven forty, but a guy who has tremendous hands. I think he's a decent inline blocker. Look, he played on the baseball team there at Notre Dame. Tremendous athlete. Then they they you know you have Jimmy Graham there as well, but you know Cole Komet's going to be the future at the position. Um, you know you can definitely mark that down. And then I thought you know the second pick in round number two they get Jalen Johnson out of Utah. Six foot one ninety three has battled some injuries, um, and I think that's why he didn't you know, get Garner real serious first round talk. Um, But I think he has a chance to battle Artie Burns for that starting spot uh, opposite Kyle Fuller. Keep an eye on that matchup as we get into training camp. I think he has a great chance to start right away for the Bears. Uh, Now they didn't have any other picks until round number five. Had a couple of picks there. Tenth pick in round number five, they get Travis Gibson, 6'3", 261 out of Tulsa. You're getting to get a, pa- a situational pass rusher, a guy who knows how to get after the quarterback there for the Golden Hurricanes. Um, you know, you have Khalil Mack. You have Robert Quinn at your linebacker positions. Um, not a whole lot of depth behind them. You know, Barkevius Mingo is on the roster. They brought him in uh, from Houston. But uh, I think this is going to be a guy who could... You know, like I said, if nothing else, he's going to be a situational pass rusher and uh, I I think can make an impact early in his career. Uh, Then they they look to the cornerback position again. They double up at the position. They get Kendall Vildor out of Georgia Southern, 5'10", 191 pounds, excellent ball skills. uh, A guy who's one of the stronger uh, corners and really just secondary, you know, players, you know, period. Um, you know, 23 reps at 225 in, in the bench press, ran in the four fours, um, tremendous athlete. I think great value in the the fifth round. And, and I look at the corner position, you have Kyle Fuller, like I mentioned, you have you know, Burns and, and Jalen Johnson. This is a guy who I think could potentially target for the, the slot, you know, or be a, be a nickel. And I, I think, you know, a guy who, um, it has tremendous upside, very athletic. I really like that pick. The last three picks were a little questionable for me. Round five, Darnell Mooney out of Marshall, 5'10, 176. I actually had the bear, you know, targeted the Bears to go after a bigger receiver, uh, big physical, like like, you know, Chase Claypool. Uh, when I look at their receiving core right now, they have Allen Robinson as their number one. You have Cordero Patterson, you know. No more as a returner than as a receiver. Anthony Miller has battled some injuries. He's more of your possession guy, not overly quick, overly fast. Javon Wims is a bigger guy, but not overly explosive. So you get Darnell Mooney, a guy that runs sub four, you know, sub four, uh, sub four four, uh, there for the the Tulane Green Wave, and uh, a guy who I think can make some plays, you know, can uh, probably a guy that you'll line up in the slot. Um, but I thought there were some other receivers out on the board that that you could have gone with. Um, moving on to round seven, you know I think the Bears, you know they they have their offensive line that they needed to target. Um, you know Rashad Coward there at the right guard position. They brought in Jermaine Ifedi to kind of target that area. Um, you know you have James T- uh, Daniels at left guard, so at least you know in terms of getting some depth, I, I kind of like the Lachavius Simmons pick there with the 13th pick in, in round number seven, six five three oh four out of Tennessee State. Um, but a pick, you know, before that they, they, they took Arlington Hambright out of Colorado, six, four, three Oh seven. Uh, the tackle <clears throat> was not invited to the combine. Um, and, and a guy who, you know, was just, you know, if I look at my notes, I really noted that he was athletic, but he was just kind of a guy, you know, to me, I, I didn't see him as, um, you know, someone who would ultimately end up making a roster so it was a little bit of a curious pick uh, for me a guy that possibly could end up kicking inside to guard um, you know but I, I think they could have addressed that tackle position much sooner I think you know Charles Leno Bobby Massey you know, you, you need to potentially get another tackle on that roster and I, I don't think that uh, the Bears really did that uh, Bengals I love what the Bengals did with their draft obviously you get Joe Burrow with the number one overall pick that makes a whole lot of sense obviously you know Zach, Taylor gets his guy. If I'm Andy Dalton, I'm looking at uh, you know potentially moving on to another uh, NFL franchise. You know, my days probably are numbered there in Cincy. Um, at the top of round two, how in the world was T. Higgins still sitting there? You know, they get a big receiver, 6'4, 216 pounds, a vertical threat. Um, You know, I think it was, I want to say it was 23 deep balls. He caught 15 of those for 565 yards, according to Pro Football Focus. Definitely a guy who can be a weapon down the football field. Um, You know, a a guy who, if you put on the ACC championship game against Virginia, you know, he showed why he can be a dominant force down the football field. And, And guess who Joe Burrow worked out with? Prior to the you know to the NFL draft, he worked out with T. Higgins, so there's already some chemistry there. You've got A.J. Green coming back, who was the franchise player. Um, you have or use the franchise tag on him. You have Tyler Boyd, thousand yard receiver. You have John Ross and his speed. Adding T. Higgins to the mix, you know this is a guy that ultimately, if A.J. Green can't return to his former self, T. Higgins can ultimately step into that role. Two linebackers in rounds three and four, two of my favorite guys in this entire draft, and they're on the same team. Um, So I I couldn't be more excited for, for these two picks. Logan Wilson, 6'2", 241 out of Wyoming, over 400 tackles, a guy who has sideline to sideline range, can drop into coverage, can also rush the quarterback, make plays behind the line of scrimmage, does a little bit of everything, best linebacker nobody's talked about. Um, you know, and then in, in round 4 at the top of uh, you know, the the third day of the draft, you get Akeem Davis gaith the 6'2", 224 outside linebacker out of Appalachian State. Dude know, a guy who has tremendous range, you know, a guy that can drop into coverage, um, you know, sideline to sideline type player, you know, you've got some athletes at that linebacker position now. Um, And really, you know, when you talk about that linebacker position, Jordan Evans there, Jermaine Pratt, Jermaine Pratt's another one of those uh, new age linebackers. You have Josh Bynes on the roster as well. So it's really going to be interesting to see what they're going to do. You know, they have a ton of linebackers. So really what, uh, what's the plan? You know, are they going to be are we going to be seeing a hybrid defense there where they're going to run some some 3 man fronts you know that's something to really keep, kind of keep an eye on you know what are they really going to do there they brought in uh you know DJ Raider to really be a that nose tackle Geno Atkins is a is a true 3 technique you could potentially play Carlos Dunlap at the 5 you know but then what do you do with Sam Hubbard um, you know it's really going to be interesting to see what they do there um, you know are they going to run a, a 425 um, you know, if you do that, then these linebackers aren't really going to see the field all that often. So I, I think you have to at least run a, a 4-3 defense um, to allow all of this talent there at the linebacker position to uh, to get out onto the football field. Um, round number five, you get Khalid Kareem, 6'4", 268 pounds out of Notre Dame. If uh, Aquara, uh, Julian Aquara was the Uh, explosive pass rusher Khalid Kareem was more of the physical guy, uh, physical presence, able to hold himself at the point, hold his own at the point of attack. Um, He'll be backing up Dunlap and and Hubbard. um, And then also Carl Lawson there. Um, He'll be battling him for playing time in that rotation. But I think he's definitely a guy that's going to make the roster. He'll be battling uh, Andrew Brown. um, If you remember him from a couple of years ago, coming out of Virginia, um, you know, Akeem Adeniji coming off the board in round number six. You know, six four three zero two played tackle at Kansas, possibly a guard. Um, you have Jonah Williams at left tackle, Bobby Hart at right tackle. Um, you know, Adeniji could potentially fill in as a as a backup to Michael Jordan, Xavier Suafilo on the interior of that line. Uh, you know, really, what's happening with with Billy Price? Is he going to be a starter? Is he not? He's really fallen out of favor there. So there's a chance that Akeem Adeniji. Um, you know, could potentially be a guard, could be a tackle. That versatility gives him a lot of options there up front. And then round number seven, Marcus Bailey out of Purdue. I think the injuries really you know hurt his draft stock quite a bit. Only played in two c se- uh, two games uh, for the the Boilermakers as a senior, but as a junior, he was the heart and soul of that defense. Um, you know, for for Jeff Brom and company. And a guy that I thought made plays all over the field. You know, I, I I thought he was instinctive. I thought he was shooting gaps. I thought he did really well watching, you know, reading the quarterback's eyes. More of a zone, um, you know, a zone defender than a, a guy that can really match up in man-to-man. Six foot two, thirty-five. I think he has a great chance to make a roster. It may not be in Cincinnati with all the different linebackers, um, but I think he ends up making a roster. Keep an eye out for, for New England. I think that may end up being his final landing spot. Cleveland. Jedrick Wills on the board, number 10 overall. You have to put, you have to protect Baker Mayfield. You know, Baker Mayfield I think everyone was giving him a hard time about how he regressed in his sophomore season that sophomore slump and really what was happening was he had two left ta- you know a left tackle and a right tackle the two tackles just were not getting the job done you know they couldn't protect him to save their lives and he was ultimately running for his own life as a result and so one of those things he got he really got gunshot even when there wasn't a rush that was getting to him Uh, Baker Mayfield was looking to get outside the pocket as quickly as possible, make plays outside um, and on the run, and that really got him into trouble. All he needed to do more often than not was step up, either slide subtly to to avoid the rush, step up in the pocket, really do some of that pocket manipulation that he was known for at OU. He wasn't really able to do that because he was worried about having to avoid a sack. So I look at uh, Jack Conklin, as the right tackle, Jedrick Wills had the best pass sets for anyone in college football not named Panay Sewell out of Oregon who's odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick if the number one pick does not go to a team that needs a quarterback. Um, if there is, then... Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be number one overall, just saying. But uh, Jedrick Wills has the talent to be a left tackle, 6'4", 312 pounds. Yes, he is only 6'4", but he has the arm length to um, to really take care of that position. Um, round number two, they get a safety in Grant Delpit, 6'3", 3, uh, 213 pounds out of LSU, a guy that can come in and uh, ultimately start right away. I think this is really going to solidify that safety Group. You have Carl Joseph at the strong safety. Grant Delpit can play, play the free. You also have Andrew Sandejo, the veteran there in that group. Um, that really gives them a strong presence there in the secondary. You, know, you also have Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams there at the cornerback position, um, which really, you know, they, they brought in Kevin Johnson, the veteran, uh, as well. You have Terrence Mitchell. Um, so I, I think that secondary has definitely been upgraded. Uh, round two, I'm sorry, round number three, you get Jordan Elliott out of Missouri, 6'4, 302, a guy who is very athletic. I think he's a guy that can ultimately end up teaming with Larry Ogan Joby. Um, you know, Sheldon Richardson's still on the roster, but I don't know for how long. I think Jordan Phillips, if, if I'm sorry, Jordan Elliott, if he can show that um, he can get after the quarterback, that he can also be stout at the point of attack against the run, um, then Sheldon Richardson may, may ultimately be on the way out. Um, Jacob Phillips out of LSU, 6'3", 229 pounds. He was the uh, leading tackler there at LSU. Very athletic, a guy that can play, um, I think he can play inside and outside. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up uh, there on that roster. You have Sione Takitaki and B.J. Goodson at middle linebacker. So he may end up being the sandbacker when it's all said and done. Uh, round number four, moving on to day three. they end up taking Harrison Bryant 6'5", 243 at a you know out a Florida Atlantic, the John mackey award winner over a thousand yard receiver. This was a curious pick for me. I think you know you could have gone receiver earlier in this draft. You ultimately ended up going with Donovan people's Jones and that was in round six, you know six two two twelve and a guy you can't really look at his numbers. Um, you know, the production didn't really match the talent. You know, this was a guy that had that that over, you know, I think what was it, 44 inch vertical leap, um, runs pretty well, but he had poor quarterback play. And, uh, you know, so I think that really. You know, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to end up being a better pro than he was a, a collegiate player. But you have Jarvis Landry, you have uh, Otto Beckham Jr. You don't have Anthony uh, Antonio Calloway on the roster anymore. You don't have um, Rashard Higgins on the roster anymore. Um, you needed to, to go with another receiver, and instead in round number four you go with Harrison Bryant, when you already have David Njoku, and you brought in Austin Hooper as well. So kind of a curious pick there. Maybe you know they're looking at potentially you know, David Njoku moving on from him. Um, you know He's battled some injuries, hasn't really lived up to that first-round hype to this point, so that might be looking at uh, trying to land a, a second tight end to, to play ultimately alongside uh, Austin Hooper. Round number five, you get Nick Harris out of Washington, 6'1", 302, center guard. Um, you have Batonio, Joel Batonio at, at left guard. You have Wyatt Teller at right guard. Um, you know I think Nick Harris can end up, Filling in as a backup to either of those positions, you look at J.C. Treader as well at the center position. So I think Nick Harris can be that guy to ultimately be, uh, um, I guess, the swing interior lineman, you know, if there is such a thing. Um, but I think that versatility is going to bode well there in in Cleveland. Moving on to Dallas. Dallas's first three picks. I have no idea how they pulled this off to get all three of these names in that. Um, you know, off the board and in a Dallas Cowboy uniform, it, it, it's unreal. You know, at seventeen, C.D. Lamb. You know, there there are other picks that you could have gone with. You could have gone with a a pass rusher. Um, you could have gone with a a corner. Um, a lot of different options that were out there, but ultimately they decided to go with C.D. Lamb, who I had as the number one cor- uh, wide receiver in uh, in the draft. Um, you know, all you have to do is put on the game against Texas and the Red River shootout and. You know, you saw him just, you know, humble some some corners and safeties in that game. Um, just very physical. You know, a guy that attacks the football at the catch point, plucks the ball out of the air, and then, you know, in in space, you know, I thought he's really improved as a dynamic uh, playmaker with the ball in his hands. You know, this is a receiver who played with Baker Mayfield, uh, Kyler Murray, and uh, Jalen Hurts. So a guy that you know, really knows how to you know, make the most out of that relationship with the quarterback, I think it's going to really bode well for Dak Prescott, who already has a couple of 1,000-yard receivers in, in uh, Amari Cooper, and then Michael Gallup. Yes, Michael Gallup was a 1,000-yard receiver uh, last season. Um, you get those three guys along with Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, that's really a scary proposition for teams there in the NFC East. Round number two, Trevon Diggs. 6'1", 205 out of Bama, converted wide receiver, has tremendous length. He has some size that he's bringing to this position. You, know, you have Jadobie Awuzie, Anthony Brown, um, smaller corners. Um, you have Jordan Lewis as your nickel as well. Trevon Diggs definitely has tremendous length, a guy that can potentially challenge for a starting spot right away. Um, and then uh, in round three, you get Neville Gallimore, the defensive tackle, six-two, three-zero-four 304 out of Oklahoma. Um, you know you have Gerald McCoy and Dontari Poe uh, along that interior of the line, but then you bring in Gallimore, you have you know, Tristan Hill uh, from a season ago, Antoine Woods at nose tackle. I think what you're getting with Neville Gallimore is a guy that absolutely is a two-gap dude, uh, a guy who has a really quick get-off, a guy who uh, has a really nice swim move, uh, pretty good rip move as well. Um, very you know athletic very active a guy that has a motor that doesn't quit and a guy who's still learning look he, he played in Canada didn't really have much of a, a playbook uh, to speak of a guy who i think has you know his best days uh, are ahead of him i think he's just scratching the surface of his potential round 4 you double down on on the on the cornerback position you get a guy like Reggie Robinson out of Tulsa look Tulsa had a couple of nice players there on the defensive side of the football uh, what you're getting with Robinson again, you know, 6'1, 205, ran a 4'4, really good ball skills. So, I, you know, I really like that pick as well. Um, add some size to that secondary. And remember, you know, uh, Tyler Frederick, um, or I'm sorry, Travis Frederick, the center, you know, abrupt retirement. You know, he, he had his uh, um, uh, you know, the medical ailments that ultimately put him out, and uh, so they brought in Joe, Joe Looney and you yeah, have Connor McGovern on the roster but getting Tyler Beatis in number in round number 6'4", four, four, 314 out of Wisconsin not the best athlete in the world but this is a guy is an intelligent player he started every game in his career at Wisconsin and look he was the guy that was there blocking you know almost every single one of Jonathan Taylor's yards all 6 thousand of them and uh you know you had three offensive linemen go to the NFL uh, in, in last year's draft with, with David Edwards and Michael Dieter and Bo Benchaw all gone. Uh, Cole Van Landen, the left tackle was kind of a, a part-time starter. So what's crazy is, is you bring in all of these new starters on that offensive line and he still goes for over 2000 yards. So to me, when I look at, at Tyler Biadas, I think that, you know, that there is something there. Um, this guy, is going to be effective. And I I think Dallas has got a guy, they found their future center starter and it's another Wisconsin Badger. Round number 5, you needed to get a pass rusher. I like Bradley and I out of Utah 63 257. Didn't run a really quick 40 time at the combine, but you know, that's not really what you're going to get out of Bradley and I. This is a guy that knows how to get to the quarterback with his hand fighting. You know, not the longest arms in the world, but wins again, like I said, with his hands. Um, can turn the corner a little bit, you know, has some decent flexibility, better than average athlete. Um, and I think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for. 40 tackles for loss, 29.5 sacks in his career. Very physical player at the point of attack. Um, so I, I definitely like this pick as well. Team him up with DeMarcus Lawrence, Tyrone Crawford and company. And then uh, round seven, you get a, a potential backup quarterback for Dak Prescott and Ben DiNucci out of James Madison. Not really the quarterback, you know, much of a quarterback to speak of at Pittsburgh. Uh, last two seasons that James Madison really developed as a quarterback. 6'3", 210 pounds, I like the pick in round seven because, look, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, I think has a chance to, uh, to be a, a solid backup. I thought that you know his development over the last two years at James Madison really was, was eye-opening. Denver, the Broncos. We knew they were going to go receiver, right? You know, I wasn't expecting them to double down on receiver, um, but I knew they were going to go receiver. Drew Locke was missing something last year. He he was missing that that vertical presence on the outside, and really what you know his comfort level was having Emmanuel Hall, having his speedster on the outside that he was able to go to drop the ball in over his shoulder. And yes, Emmanuel Hall um, battled some drops, and you know I think part of it too was he was injured for you know for half the time. But when he was healthy, when he was out there, Drew Locke, that's when he was at his best. You know he had his his safety. Um, safety net his security blanket out there—a guy that he could just drop the ball into, and you know, Locke would hit him in stride. Um, he also had his tight end Albert Ojebunum, you know, up the middle of the field—a guy that you know he was able to fit the ball into quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I thought Boonham's tape saw a little bit of a regression, but you know, he was playing with, with uh, you know with Kelly Bryant and not Drew Locke. Um, so, why not team up with him? stay tuned for, for that, um, potentially a, a fourth round pick quick spoiler here. Um, but in round number one, Jerry Judy falls to them. And, and look, you know, you can say what you want about Jerry Judy, 6'1", 193, one of the best route runners I've seen, uh, come out of college, you know, come out of college in the 20 years that I've been doing, uh, mock drafts. Um, you know a guy who, like I said, exceptional, very sudden off off the football. Um, the stems, you know, his ability to really set up his man, um, and once he puts his foot in the ground, and makes his cuts. Um, he puts those DBs in a spin cycle. Um, they really don't know what hit him. You know, the Award winner in twenty eighteen, and uh, ran a sub four five forty. You know, I really love that pick. Round two, a little curious to take. You know, KJ Hamler out of Penn State five. 5'9, uh, 176. Ran in the 4'2s to 4'3s in uh, individual workouts. Um, definitely explosive for Penn State when the ball was in his hands. The thing that I worry about is he's not a pat- natural pass catcher. Lets the balls get into his body quite a bit. Allows defensive backs to make plays on the ball. Um, also, quite a few drops. That's what concerned me. I had him more in the third to fourth round range. Um, so that was a little bit of a curious pick. But at the same time, they're looking to get some explosiveness. They have Cortland Sutton on the roster. Um, Deshaun Hamilton, you know, was the number two wide receiver. They're looking to get explosiveness, and so I, I get that's why they brought in KJ Hamler there. Uh, round number three, you know, I, I think these three picks, I, I, I like all three of them. Michael Ojemudia out of Iowa, um, look, big physical corner, and uh, you know, a guy who met, um, you know has the ball skills, and you know, showed off at the the Senior Bowl. Uh, An ability to get physical with, you know, big receivers like Chase Claypool. And uh, ran a 4-4-5-40 at the Combine. Decent length for the position as well. Um, you know, and, and for me, I look at Ojemudia, that big physical style um, could potentially end up getting him that starting spot opposite A.J. Boye when it's all said and done. Um you know, Lloyd Cushenberry, the center out of LSU, had a better 2018 season than 2019. But look, 6'3", 312 pounds. I think he'll be a day one starter. Graham Glasgow is going to start at, at probably at right guard opposite uh, you know Dalton Reisner at left guard. Lloyd Cushenberry slides into that center position. I think that makes the most sense. Um, and then uh, the last pick in round number three, it's number 31 overall. 6'3", 309 pound, uh, McTelvin Aguim. And Ageim, you know, I think he could potentially be that nose tackle, battle Mike Purcell. I, I thought Lucky Fotu would potentially be the pick there in, in round number four. But ultimately, I like Aguim. I think he could also play uh, you know, the five technique. Um, somebody who I think is stout at the point of attack also offers some pass rush ability and uh, ran a sub 540 at the combine. So um, I thought they did really well there. I had him in the third or fourth round range, so really nice value. And I mentioned Alberto A. Boonham, the 12th pick. Uh, into day three, and they take uh, Big Albert. You know, six foot, six six, two hundred fifty eight pounds. Albert O set the really the stage on fire. Freshman All America had eleven touchdowns um, as a true freshman there at Mizzou. Um, I'm sorry, as a redshirt freshman at Mizzou. A guy who battled some injuries. Um, not the most. Um, polished route runner, not much of a blocker, but look, sub four, five speed. And he has that connection already with Drew Locke. Um, you know, I think you put him in there with uh, Noah Famp makes things interesting. I think they're looking to add some of those weapons. I mentioned that explosiveness. This is a very really packed tight end group. Um, you have Jeff Heierman, you have Troy Fumagalli, Jake, Butt, uh, Nick Vennett, a lot of guys that played really well, you know, on, you know, collegiately, uh, but they haven't really done a whole lot at the NFL level. Um, so Albert O, really a, a congested group there at the tight end position. They just brought in Nick Vanette from Pittsburgh, but the ability to get somebody that Drew Locke is familiar with and is so explosive, you know that'll be a, a player to keep an eye on as we go into training camp and really see what he does in the preseason. Um, round number five, they get Justin Sternod out of Wake Forest, 6'3, 238 pounds. I thought this was definitely a, a great value pick. I've mentioned that they needed to address that interior linebacker position. I, I thought that Malik Harrison was a nice pick in round number three. They get Justin Sternod in round five, and I think that's also a, a great spot for Sternad. Um, you know, a guy who, you know, veteran player there for uh, the Demon Deacons. Um, 105 tackles in in 2018. Just set, played in seven games as a senior, uh, but a guy who I think can drop into coverage a little bit um, has decent range. I think he's better in zone coverage versus uh, versus man to man. But definitely a player that I think can end up um, making the roster and and potentially being a starter down the road. Natani Muti in round number six at the top of round six, second pick in in that uh, in that round. Six three three fifteen out of Fresno State, big mauling guard. Um, You know, put up uh, 225, 44 times at the combine. But, you know, he's had multiple ACL surgeries. I think that's ultimately what ultimately moved him down on the draft board. Um, Some people were talking about him as a potential fringe first-round player. Fell all the way to round six, and I mentioned Reisner. I mentioned Glasgow on that roster. He's going to really be a guy that's potent You know, could potentially be that uh, that third guard in in the rotation, but he's going to have to make sure that he stays healthy in order to be able to do that. Uh, round seven, a couple of uh, of rotational players: Tyree Cleveland, 6'2", 209 out of Florida, you know, decent athlete there at the position, and then Derek Tuska uh, out of North Dakota State, um, you know, was the I guess the second to last, so it wasn't Mr. Relevant. So second to last pick in the draft, 6'4, 251 out of North Dakota State. And this was a guy who, you know, I think limited athletically, um but still had that non-stop motor, a guy that can bend coming off the edge. And uh, you know, I just I wonder if he has enough athleticism to be a an outside linebacker in a three four defense. You know, and I also wonder if he has enough size to be you know playing with his hand in the ground in a forty three defense. So uh, remains to be seen what he can do there. Um, so let's see. Moving on, we've got the Detroit Lions next. Matt Patricia and company, I think, you know, really time is of the essence for them. Uh, Matt Patricia really has to make some progress there in Detroit. And, uh, you know, you, you trade Darius Slay and uh, you know, you bring in Desmond Trufant to, to take over one spot there in the starting position. But you need to get another lockdown corner. Jeff Okuda, I think, is a better uh, prospect overall than Denzel Ward was. 6'1", 200 pounds. Uh, runs in the four fours 4s uh, over a 40-inch vertical leap. Tremendous ball skills. Um, I think his cover ability is, is off the charts. A guy that just sticks like glue. Um, plays on that ball side hip on those in-breaking routes. Um, has that lockdown ability and, and a guy that can play out on an island if, if you need him to. Um, great pick there at uh, the third pick in round number one. Third pick on day two. They address the running back position. I figured that the Lions were going to do that on day two. You have carry on Johnson, but he's battled some injuries and get DeAndre Swift, um, 5'8, 212 out of Georgia. Limited carry, still have back to back thousand yard seasons. And I say limited because he shared the backfield with Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, um, you know, Elijah Holyfield, and then this season with Brian Herian, uh, Zamir White, and, uh, and James Cook. Still back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. Very explosive athlete. Tremendous pass catcher as well. This is a guy who I think you know can can definitely team with Kerryon Johnson uh, in that backfield, but has a chance to potentially even be a breakout starter um, when it's all said and done. Keep an eye out for DeAndre Swift. And then uh, two picks in round number three, uh, they get two guys who I think can also start. Um, you know Julian Aquara out at, at of Notre Dame, 6'4", 252 pounds. Aquara is not going to start ahead of, of Trey flowers but uh, he'll actually be battling his brother Romeo uh, for a starting spot so you're gonna have the two aquara brothers you know both Notre Dame players uh, aquara is more of the big physical presence Julian Aquara has tremendous length and, and athleticism coming off the edge um, broken fibula ultimately ended his 2019 campaign um, but a guy you know at hundred percent I love the length coming off the edge um, I thought that was a great pick and then Jonah Jackson, Um, 6'4", 306 out of Ohio State. Not the tremendous athlete by any means, but a guy who I thought was really a a good technician uh, and the most consistent offensive lineman there for Ohio State. Um, which is saying something because I thought Wyatt Davis there up front you know, was really a tremendous offensive lineman there for uh, the Buckeyes. You, know, you have Joe Dahl at left guard, Odea Bushy at right guard, and if I'm the two of them, I really worry about my my starting spot. You know, I've I got a couple of guys that are coming in that are really going to challenge, really going to be hungry and challenge me for my starting spot because in round four they double down, get another guard, and they get Logan Stenberg out of Kentucky. He's the big physical uh, presence there. Um, more of a mauler type, 6'6, 317. If nothing else, they add depth to the to that interior line. But uh, you know, if I'm Joe Dahl and I'm odea Bushi, I'm I'm keeping an eye out for, for my starting spot. I'm playing for my, my job at that point. Uh, fifth round, they get a tremendous receiver, in my opinion, in, in Quintes Cephas out of Wisconsin, 6'1, 202. If you remember, Quintes Cephas was the guy who at Wisconsin, missed the twenty eighteen season. Was uh, was charged with sexual assault. Was exonerated in court. Uh, was welcomed back to the University of Wisconsin football team. Brought him back as well, and uh, was a vertical threat for Wisconsin ran a four, seven forty, And I thought, you know, it was kind of just a sloppy start. Didn't really run, run well there at the combine. Um, but I think he ran in the high four fives after that in a workout. And, um, you know, it just seemed like he was always getting behind, uh, defenders. I thought he won at the line of scrimmage and then able to get uh, some separation after that. Um, you know, could stack, stack the corner, um, you know, just about as well as any receiver in this draft class. And I look at Kenny Galladay, there's Marvin Jones and, and Danny Amendola on the roster. I think Cephas fits right into that group and could potentially be a you know that that's uh um, that nice complimentary piece there for your thousand yard receiver in Kenny Galladay. Um round number five, Jason Huntley uh, out of New Mexico State 5'8", uh, 190 pounds. So you're doubling down at the running back position. And you know what's really interesting about Jason Huntley is uh the hands you know I, I think that's one of the things that you talk about this is a guy in, in his career um over a hundred receptions uh, in his career at the running back position i mean it, you know 134 to be exact you know in the last three seasons never had less than 39 receptions in, in a season uh finally went over the thousand yard mark uh, in, in 2019, had 7.1 yards per carry um, on, on the year as well for the Aggies. Um, he's a guy that, um, you know, I, I actually really love the pick, and I think he could end up being that third uh, third running back in that group, and had another weapon there for uh, Matthew Stafford. Round six, you get John Pennacini out of Utah, 6'1", 318 pounds. That's more of a nose tackle. I would have liked to have seen them potentially address um, the three technique um, up front, you know, I think Penasini is ultimately going to be a backup for Danny Shelton. Um, uh, so like I said, I think if there's anything with the Lions that I would have liked to seen them do different, I would have liked to seen them really address that, uh, that three technique more than anything else. And then, uh, round seven, they get Jason Cornell out of Ohio state, 6'3, 285, a one-year starter there guy who does a decent job, uh, setting the edge against the run. Um, but when I look at this this lineup, you've got Aqu- uh, both of the Aquara brothers. You have Trey Flowers, Austin Bryant, Deshaun Hand, um, Frank Heron. I think uh, Cornell is really going to have to work hard to make the roster. May end up getting on to the practice squad, but uh, I think they're pretty much set at the defensive end position. Which leads us to Green Bay. The Cheeseheads. Okay, Brett Favre was 35 years of age when Aaron Rodgers was drafted. Aaron Rodgers is 36. You have a new head coach in Matt LaFleur. Is now really the time to draft for the future when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback and really you're in a win now, should be in a win now mentality I mean, this almost feels like it's sealing the fate that Aaron Rodgers will not finish his career, much like Brett Favre will not finish his career as a Green Bay Packer. You know, you needed a receiver to help out Devontae Adams. I thought, you know, uh, Allen Lazar did a great job filling in to help him out. But uh, you know, Devonte Adams, there's a reason why he's an All-Pro wideout. You know, and really, they're they're standing. Standing pat with Marquez Valdez Scantling, who has inconsistent hands. Equinemia St. Brown has battled injuries. Devin Funches, they brought in from Indy. He's also battled injuries, by the way, uh, as well. So that receiving core really questionable, you know, at best. Um, you know, so you bring in Jordan Love as your quarterback uh, with the twenty-sixth overall pick. You trade up from thirty to get him. And look, you know, Jordan Love. Yes, I know. You know, twenty eighteen. He had had uh, the four offensive linemen that were all Mountain West performers. Had his top five wideouts. Um, had a thousand yard running back. And then in 2019 was pressing because you know not only did he lose all of those guys, he also lost his head coach and his offensive coordinator. 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. You know, but a guy who has some physical abilities that uh, you know a lot of the quarterbacks in this draft class just didn't have. He has the size. He has the athleticism. He has the arm strength. You know the ability to throw a fastball um, and fit it into a tight window on one play, and then show the touch to drop it over the um, you know the the linebacker in front of the safety and zone coverage. Um, so the accuracy is absolutely there. It's more decision making than anything else with Jordan Love. Um, so I love the player. I just question right now what's going on there with green bay you know in round two they then take aj Dillon. they double down with these odd picks and you know six foot 247 out of boston college i love aj Dillon. don't get me wrong you know three-time thousand yard uh runner as a sophomore battled the high ankle sprain and still uh went over a thousand yards and uh in in 20 Nineteen, even though he was sharing the backfield with David uh, David Bailey, still had over sixteen hundred yards on the ground. You have Aaron Jones, you have Jamal Williams already on the roster. I mean, are we already anticipating that one of the two of them won't be on the roster in twenty twenty one? You know, that's that's really kind of a curious uh, decision. It seems like they're really planning more for the future than anything else. Uh, they needed a tight end, you know. And at one point, I was expecting them to either take Cole Komet or you know Adam Troutman. Um, but they take Josiah DeWara, you know, a guy who I had more as a, a mid-to-late-round pick, 6'2", 242 out of Cincinnati, uh, a guy who I don't think is, you know, he made a couple of uh, receptions down the field there for the Bearcats, but not a guy who I thought you would consider to be a consistent down th- downfield threat. And, and really for the Packers, this is a guy that I think is going to end up being more of a fullback H-back type than your traditional tight end. And you have Mercedes Lewis. Um, you have Jay Sternberger on the roster as well. So maybe they're going to be looking at doing something like uh, like the Patriots do with multiple tight end sets. Maybe that's really what they're going for here with uh, Josiah Deguara. Um, round number five, they get Kamal Martin out of Minnesota, 6'3", 240 pounds. And what's interesting with you know Kamal Martin is I think he has some versatility to play inside or outside. Um, I think ultimately you know, his home is going to be at inside backer, backup uh, Oren Burks and, and Christian Kirksey, but he has that versatility to play either inside or out in their 34 defense. Round six, they go with three offensive linemen. John Runyon uh, out of Michigan, 6'4", 306. The tackle um, plays guard, you know, we're probably into playing guard at the next level. You get uh, Jake Hansen, uh, the center out of Oregon, 6'4, 303, started over 40 games. Then you get Simon Stepaniak, uh, 6'4, 313 out of Indiana, most consistent player there for, uh, for the Hoosiers up front, uh, was a team captain, big physical dude. Uh, 37 reps at 225 in the bench press, so a very powerful guy as well. Um, you look at the interior of that line; you have Lane Johnson, Billy Turner, Corey Lindsley. Uh, you're adding some some depth there at the position. You already have Elgin Jenkins, so it makes you wonder, you know, what what's you know what the thought process is there. You know, I really thought they were going to go with a tackle in this group, so maybe the fact that John Runyon's on the roster, maybe they're expecting him to potentially be the backup for Bakhtiari, uh, David Bakhtiari, and Ricky Wagner. So. Kind of a curious, you know, curious nature, you know, with, with how they, they handled that piece, because I look at uh the defensive end position. You have Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster really as slated as your starters at the the at defensive end. Um, you know, and two guys that I think struggled at times. You know, you have Kingsley Kiki and James Looney on the roster. You end up bringing in Jonathan Garvin in, in round number seven, a guy 6'4, 263. Is he an outside linebacker? Is he going to end up backing up Jonathan uh I'm sorry, um, Preston Smith and Darius Smith? Is he going to be a backup there or are you going to potentially put him into that 5 technique? If not, then you're really rolling with what you already have on the roster and I think an upgrade was absolutely necessary. So I think they missed the board there, you know, with the wide receiver and defensive end. Um, you know and then even in round 7 they take Vernon Scott 6'1", 205 out of TCU I thought was a nice role player potentially at the next level but not a guy that I thought was going to make a significant impact so I was kind of surprised um with that pick as well so really some curious picks there out of out of Green Bay um Houston only had 5 picks in in the draft and uh you know I I think the the trade of DeAndre Hopkins really has team, you know, has everyone guessing what's going on with with Bill O'Brien? What is really happening with this roster? They make the trade for for Brandon Cooks, they bring him in. You have Kenny Stills, you have Randall Cobb, but again, none of those guys are named DeAndre Hopkins. So Deshaun Watson, you know, it's he's got some speed there to, to throw the football to. He also has David Johnson there in the backfield with Lamar uh, Miller no longer there. Uh, so round two. Houston ends up targeting a defensive tackle, and uh, you know Ross Blacklock, you know 290 pounds, twitched up dude, a guy who I think you know has the ability to bend coming off the edge. Um, you know, really did that from an interior, uh, you know, the interior, uh, bending around a lot of the interior linemen, um, which is rare at that defensive tackle position. You've got JJ Watt on one side, then there's Angelo Blackson, Charles Omenahu on the opposite side. I think you know Ross Blacklock could end up you know playing his way into a starting spot when it's all said and done. I love the athleticism there. Um, you know, they get Jonathan Grenard uh, out of Florida, 6'3, 263 pounds, you know, another guy who knows how to put pressure on the quarterback. I think they needed to address the outside linebacker position. You have Whitney Merciless on the roster, Duke Edge uh Jacob Martin. Uh, Brennan Scarlett not really going to scare you too much putting pressure on the quarterback there from Scarlett. So Jonathan Grenard comes in there. I think he'll be uh, into that rotation and could potentially end up being a backup there um, early on in his career. Has fringe starter potential as well. Uh, Charlie Heck out of North Carolina, look, like, you know, six eight, three hundred and eleven pounds, moves pretty well. Uh, his dad John played in the NFL. And, and you look at you know Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard. They're really set at the tackle position. Um, you know what could be interesting is do you move Charlie Heck potentially inside? Uh, Zach Fulton, um, you know, is the one guy that you could potentially argue might be, um, you know, they might need be in need of an upgrade. You know, Senio Calamantes is backup, so I think that right guard position, you know, left guard they're set. Max Sharping is absolutely the dude. Um, you know, the left side with uh, Laramie Tunsil as well. Titus Howard at right tackle, no questions there. I think Charlie Heck could be the swing tackle and, you know, also has, you know, potential to play inside. Round four, John John Reed out of Penn State, 5'10", 187 pounds. You know, a guy who has some ball skills, but, you know, for me, this was a guy that, um, you know, I, I thought was limited. You know, I, you know he made some plays, but there were a lot of, you know, I thought he, he got burned, you know, quite a bit as well. And you look at the secondary, they have Vernon Hargraves, they have Gary on Conley, they have Lonnie Johnson, they have Phillip Gaines. So bringing in, you know, John Reed into this, you know, Bradley Roby as well. Um, you know, I thought that was kind of a curious pick there in round number four. Um, you know, especially you know, considering that wasn't a guy that I would had high on my draft board. Um, round number five, I think they get a good receiver though, and Isaiah Coulter out of Rhode Island, 6'2, 198 pounds. Um, he was more of the athletic receiver there. Um, you know, you had the phys- more physical receiver in Aaron Parker. Um, but what I look at with, with Isaiah Coulter ran a four, four, five 40 at the combine 36 inch vertical leap. Um, uh, but over a thousand yards as the receiver there for the Rams, uh, of Rhode Island as a senior, I'm sorry, as a junior. And he was the only F- FCS receiver to come out as a, as a junior. And, um, Let's see, you know, yeah, eight eight touchdowns, twelve total in his career. You know, a guy who I think is an ascending prospect. So you get him on the roster. You know, he's he's a bigger guy. That's really what you're lacking when you have Cooks, Stills, Randall Cobb, Will Fuller, Kiki Q T. You needed a bigger receiver, so that makes sense bringing Isaiah Coulter in there. But really, some curious picks overall there for Houston. Um, really, kind of was the the theme overall for the Texans this offseason. And then Indianapolis, the Colts. You know, they, they get their three technique. The Chris Ballard said that's really who drives their defense was a three technique. They get DeForest Buckner. They trade away the 13th overall pick. They had two picks in round two, and they get two stellar offensive players. They get Michael Pittman Jr. with a second pick in round two. And I had Michael Pittman Jr. going to the Colts for a while. I thought this was a nice compliment to T.Y. Hilton. I think he's going to be a starter right away, and I think he'll end up becoming a favorite target of Phillip Rivers. Now, look, Michael Pittman Jr., 101 receptions, over 1,200 yards for the Trojans, double-digit touchdowns. Put on the game against Utah, and that was about as dominant a performance as you're going to see from a receiver. Ten catches, 232 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, a guy that I thought, you know, got got vertical, got behind some really good uh, defensive backs. You know, three DBs in Julian Blackman, uh, Terrell Burgess, and the aforementioned, uh, you know, Jalen uh, Jalen Johnson. None of those guys could cover him. You know, he got he got vertical. You know, was able to create late separation, elevate. Make the catch over them, and then once he had the ball in his hands, was so difficult to bring down, and actually was running away from some guys. People were worried about his long speed. He's not Alshon Jeffrey. Ran a 4'5-240 um, plenty fast. And, and a guy, look, you know, he's he's somebody to me that uh, you know is an ascending prospect. You know, is a guy that I thought could potentially be a, a first-round pick, and um, you know ended up coming off the board, second pick in round number two. And uh, I think Phillip Rivers is going to love this guy. 6'4", 223 pounds. You know, um, they said on on draft night that Brian Kelly said that. Um, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. You can't have. You know, the Trojans may beat him, but we don't want Michael Pittman Jr. to beat us. And multiple teams did that. You know, anytime USC lost, you know they lost to Washington. Um, they did lose to Notre Dame. They lost to Iowa. Teams were targeting Michael Pittman Jr. And when you target this guy, and You design and really scheme your defense around stopping one player. You have other NFL potential receivers in in Tyler Vaughns, Amon Ross St. Brown, Drake London. We're keying in on number six. There aren't too many receivers that are out there that really saw that type of attention. I think he has the the, the potential to be a special receiver. Um, Then they get Jonathan Taylor. You know, just seven picks later, 5'10", 226 pounds out of Wisconsin. Look, back-to-back Doak Walker Award winner, uh, a guy who is going to back up Marlon Mack and uh, definitely has starter potential. Look, he has 968 total touches in his career, um, so obviously the wear on his legs is going to be a concern, um, at least allowing him to share the backfield with Marlon Mack, at least early on in his career, is going to kind of help a little bit. Um, But look, um, back-to-back, 2,000 yard seasons, only he and uh, one other player, Troy Davis in the 90s out of uh, Iowa State were able to do that. Um, you know a guy who ran a 43940 at the combine at 510 226 pounds has 10 10 400 meter speed as well you know has the power to run through you has the speed to run by you he'll run over you um, you know and a guy who I think is really patient as well he allows the blocks to set up and then he explodes through those holes and once he gets ahead a of steam and that momentum going north-south watch out you're in you're really in trouble there um, you know and with Marlon mack you know I He's he's under contract through 2020, will be a free agent at the end of the season. So this could potentially be your, your future starter um, when it's all said and done in 2021 there for the Indianapolis Colts. So I thought two great picks there for um, for Chris Ballard right off the bat. You get Julian Blackman, the safety out of Utah, um, six foot, 187 pounds um in round number three. And when I look at Indianapolis, I thought they needed to get a corner, I mean a safety. You've got Kari Willis and Malik Hooker. Um, I think Julian Blackman could potentially team with Hooker when it's all said and done um, in that secondary. I think Blackman and converting corner um, has some decent ball skills as well. Um, you know, you look at, at, at finding a quarterback. I thought that it was going to be the Colts that traded up for, for Jordan Love, trading into the first round. But instead, they stay put fourth round. They get Jacob Eason with the 16th pick in round number four, 6'6, 231 pounds out of Washington. I think the reason why he felt day three, you know, ultimately was the fact that, you know, there are some holes in his game right now. You know, this is a guy who really can't change speeds. You know, he he really throws a fastball. And, you know, it's fast and faster and uh you know lacks some of that touch, you know, being able to throw, you know. Um, drop the ball in and hit a receiver in stride and not just actually gun it at the receiver. You know, he, he sailed balls over guys a lot of times, didn't have enough air under the ball. He needs to work on that touch. You know, he's gonna be playing behind Phillip Rivers. You know, I think you know he'll get to play you know behind a, a future Hall of Famer and uh, really soak up all of that. I think that's yeah uh, I, I like the value. I like fourth round. That's about the range that I had Jacob Eason going. Um so I really like that that, that selection as well. And round number five, they get Danny Pinter, who I think is a future starter, you know, a guy who played all along the line there at ball state. Um, you know, I look at, you know, you've got Ryan Kelly and you've got uh Quentin Nelson. Um, Obviously, those are the two guys that are going to be starting at left, at center and left guard, respectively. You've got Mark Lewinsky, and I think Danny Pinter has a chance to, uh, to target Mark Lewinsky and potentially be an upgrade there at that right guard position. Costanzo, Anthony Costanzo at left tackle, and Braden, Braden Smith at right tackle. I think you really solidify that front, up front. You know, at least if nothing else, he's a, a nice uh, player with some depth, can play multiple positions. Uh, round six. You know, here's the thing at the defensive tackle position. They, they were lacking some guys over 300 pounds. They, get, they bring in DeForest Buckner. They have Glover Stewart. So they have two big, powerful guys. But you know, on the roster at defensive tackle, you have Danico Autry. You have Sheldon Day. Tyquan Lewis, guys that are under 300 pounds, but guys that are very quick and explosive off the ball. Robert Windsor, a 6'4", 290 out of Penn State, a guy who you know was productive there for the Nittany Lions, getting after the quarterback. Um, so I I, I I like his potential. I think he fits into, uh, you know, like Colts um, quicker than than big philosophy there. But I think, you know, you have to watch, you know, getting overpowered at the line of scrimmage. Um, but like I said, you know, 13 sacks in his career, including six and a half in, in 2018. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think can play his way into the rotation and will offer some interior pass rush ability. Um, you know, the second pick in round number six, you get Isaiah Rogers out of UMass, 5'10", 170 pounds, but uh, a dude that just, you know, he, he just made plays for the, for the Minutemen. Um, you know, I, I'm really glad to see that uh, a team was, you know, took a chance on Isaiah Rogers because, look, 34 pass breakups in his career, 11 interceptions, including four this past season, um, you know, and... Nine and a half tackles for loss. So he's not afraid to come up and run support. Um, took a pump back for for touchdown in, in twenty nineteen as a senior as well. Um, also a kick returner for the Minutemen. So uh, I, I really like this pick. Um, you know, I, I thought Chris Ballard yet again. You know, with a, a tremendous draft and where does he fit? You know, it's kind of the question. You know, you have Isaiah Ro- or Xavier Rhodes that you brought in. T J. Carey, Rock Yasin, Kenny Moore uh Marvell Tell, you know, a lot of different safe uh, different corners there, but I think the versatility of Isaiah Rogers, not all of those guys are going to be be on the roster in 2021. I think Isaiah Rogers is the guy, you know, who can make an impact in special teams right away. He and Naeem Hines and then uh and ultimately make his way out onto the football field, not just on special teams, probably a year or two away, but a guy who I think has that potential Uh, because of those ball skills. They get a big physical receiver in round number six in Desmond Patton, 6'4, 225 pounds out of Washington State. And and look, you know, this is a guy who has that big frame, ran a sub-4540, and that's really, I think, what ultimately got him drafted was that, that that 40 time. Um, you know, he a, was a big physical guy. Didn't always see the field there at Wazoo. But let's take a look at this receiving core. You have Paris Campbell. You have uh, T.Y. Hilton. Obviously, you've already added a big physical receiver, Michael Pittman. Um, you have Zach Paschal, who I thought really you know stepped up and played well at the receiver position, especially when Devin Funches went down. After that, you know, Artavis Scott, Marcus Johnson. I think Desmond Patton has a chance to be that fifth receiver. You have a couple of explosive playmakers. You have a couple of bigger wideouts. You know, and, and Desmond Patton, the fact that he ran sub four or five, I think is really what's kind of turning heads a little bit, that there's more athleticism to this big guy. Um, and then finally, for the Colts, uh, Jordan Glasgow, um, out of Michigan, 6'1", 226 pounds, linebacker, safety, hybrid type, uh, a guy who I think could be a, a special teams player. Um, but you know that linebacking core you have Bobby Okereke, Anthony Walker, Darius Leonard. It's really set there. You know, and then you have uh, EJ Speed, Sky Moore, uh, Jerry Green, uh, Matt Matthew Adams, uh, Zaire Franklin. A lot of a lot of names there. Um, at that linebacking core. So it's really kind of a a loaded position. Um, Safety, I already mentioned, you know, Julian Blackman, Kari Smith. I'm I'm sorry, Kari Willis, Malik Hooker. Um, So that may be ultimately where Jordan Glasgow fits, is at the safety position when it's all said and done. More of a special teams guy. I think he's a developmental prospect when it's all said and done as well. So I think this is a good stopping point at this point. We've covered the first 14 teams and we'll go ahead and address the remaining teams when uh, we have our next podcast. I'm going to go ahead and release another one tomorrow, and uh, we'll go ahead and round out all 32 of the um, drafts, all 32 teams, and take a look at that. And then the final podcast of the 2020 podcast series, uh, episode um, 41, we're going to really take a look at the Undrafted free agents and then jump into the 2021 draft. Really, a look ahead, um, take a look at some of the quarterbacks not named, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields. Um, is there anybody that could potentially, you know, oust Panay Sewell as the um, top overall prospect uh, when it's all said and done? You know, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll talk about. You know, in this next podcast, we'll talk about the Jaguars. I thought they did a lot of really nice things. Um, you know we'll we'll take a look at uh, at the Chargers. you know, traded back into round one to get Kenneth Murray. I like what they did there. Raiders, some curious picks, Dolphins, some curious picks. Um, you know, so we'll make sure to talk about that as well. Patriots, I thought they did some nice things at the at the top of the draft. Then it got a little weird um, as we as we moved on. Um, you know, the Saints only four picks in the draft. Um, some odd selections, you know, mixed with a couple of, of really nice picks there as well. Um, so it's going to be fun. We're going to go ahead and break break down the rest of these teams. Uh, really take a look at each of the draft picks and break everything down as we always do here for readyforthedraft.com. Um, so everyone, have a great day. Take care. Hope you've enjoyed the content uh, and come back. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We'll go ahead and break down the remaining teams. Take care, everyone. Be safe. You know, I know, wash your hands. Make sure, you know, social distancing. Wear your masks in public. And, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and do all of this all over again tomorrow. Uh, so for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg shoots Take care, everyone. And until next time, I am out of here.